Hey everyone, welcome back to the Nittany Blues podcast. Not going to be a lot of fanfare for this one. This isn't the moment. This isn't the podcast. So uh, we're just going to get right into this. And Vince, um, the only thing that I can say right now is that I'm I'm numb. I'm just completely numb. And that's because I just ran out of frustration midway through the fourth quarter. I was furious. I was livid. I was irate throughout most of this game. And for a couple reasons, this offensive effort was downright pathetic. They were a complete no-show and this loss is on them. And the reason why I was so angry is because the fans deserved better and that defense deserved better. That defense played their asses off and they put Penn State in position time and time again to get back into this game, and that offense just couldn't do it. So it's just numbing because we've seen this script play out time and time again. It's mind-boggling at this point that Penn State can't put together a full game plan package for Ohio State, even though they had three weeks to do this, with two weeks with the bye, and then an extra week playing against UMass. They had all the time in the world to prepare for this game. And that is the product that they created and that they put out there on the field. So I'm honestly at a loss with kind of what to say, how to think, the direction that they should go to get over this hump. Maybe in time, I'll think of uh, something along those lines. But right now, man, I'm just, I'm just down and out. Yeah, just a abysmal performance from the offense today. Uh, you know, I, I think Nittany Line fans got a glimpse of what it feels like to be an Iowa Hawkeyes fan. The the defense just absolutely balled out, and the offense put up six points. Uh, you look at the final score of twelve. That's garbage time. That that doesn't count. Um, and really, they got nothing going on made no adjustments and they really got away from coach's message from the year. Uh, he said, be who you are this week. You saw several third and shorts, fourth and shorts. Didn't see a QB sneak once you, you saw Penn state utilize the, uh, the brotherly shove or the tush push, whatever you want to call it against the Hawkeyes worked every time. And that's the play I was calling for on my couch. And, they didn't run it once. And you look at Penn State stats, 0 for 15, could have been worse. That's just the last I remember on the TV screen um, on third down. Just completely pathetic that Penn State cannot muster up one first down on a third down today. Uh, it just utterly blows my mind. Uh, I'm sure if you look at the stat sheet, Iowa got more third down conversions against us in the whiteout. Like it's just baffling to me that we had th pretty much three weeks to prepare for this game. Uh, UMass being a severely under talented team and all the stars were aligning for Penn state to really have a really good shot to win this matchup. Uh, you, you had three weeks of preparation. You had Ohio state have some players banged up. You had, us being relatively healthy, uh, you had us well rested with the defense taking less snaps than they ever had before. 
Um, and they the the offense just laid an egg, and this was just all phases like offense. They they had some runs early, and then all of a sudden the play call they they decide to throw, and nothing's there in the passing game. Um, while you have a young quarterback, run the ball until it doesn't work. Uh, run it until you're forcing him to throw. That that's my first point. That was my first point of frustration. Uh, second point, when you're in a third and one, fourth and one, if you're gonna run a play, run the QB sneak. Works ninety two percent of the time. High efficiency. Um, against the Hawkeyes, I don't understand why we're not doing it here. Uh, you know, three, we know JT Tumalu killed us last year, killed us again. Um, you know, they say one time shame on you, second time shame on me. And, and, and that's what it was from the offense. They had no game plan to stop him. Wide receivers, not helping Drew Aller out. Nobody was open today. Uh, just, I, I looked at several replays in the game. I'm like, what is Drew supposed to do? Um, when wide receivers were open, just drew off the mark. Like, like, man, it was just like baffling to me. I I'm literally at a loss for words and where I thought I would, I thought they would score in the worst case scenario, like low twenties to put up six points, just utterly pitiful performance. Uh, I don't know what more I can say about it. Uh, did I miss anything? No, you didn't miss anything. The only, the only, um, thing was they, they converted on third down once. And that was with about 50 seconds left to go in the game. That was with the touchdown drive that they put together right in the waning moments of the game which it was just, you know, kind of like a, just a microcosm of the game overall was that, you know, when the game was like in hand, that's when Penn state could like finally do something on offense. And, you know, there's, there's a quote that James Franklin had earlier in the week. He was doing, I don't know if it was a, uh, if it was like a, like a podcast appearance or something with LeVar Arrington and James Franklin said something along the lines of like, guys are not going to be asked to do stuff that they haven't already been asked to do, which I don't think rang true at all today because like guys were being asked to get open on at wide receiver. Guys were being asked to be consistent in run blocking on the road. Guys were being asked to hit the open wide receivers when they're there. So yeah, I would I would kind of venture to say that yes, guys were being asked to do a little bit more than what they've been asked to do all season. And you know what? Like it's almost like we're kind of living in a twilight zone because maybe the signs were always there. Maybe the reason why Penn State doesn't have a number 2 wide receiver is because nobody is has been consistent or good enough to be a number 2 wide receiver right now. Like we've got guys dropping passes all over the place. We're so inconsistent with the run game. And especially on the road, like all of these things kind of led up to this moment. And, you know, it, that's, that's the product that it produces. And so I just think that like, you can't understate just like how disappointing it is, especially because the reason why Penn state has been, you know, on the losing end of so many of these games against Ohio state, Ohio state's always had a good, always had a good defense. Like 
top teams always have a good defense, like of varying degrees. The reason why Penn State was not able to win most of these games is because Ohio State just had vastly superior offensive talent. You look at Justin Fields, look at CJ Stroud, you look at all of these great wide receivers that they produce and like this offensive firepower that they're able to create. That wasn't there for Ohio State today, or at least, you know, Penn State was doing a damn good job of limiting those big plays for them. And then when it mattered most, Penn State defense was stepping up, man. Fourth and one at the one. Like Penn State shut them down. They shut them down time and time again. And of course, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. got his because one, he's really freaking good. Number two, we have some instances where we're putting Dominic DeLuca one-on-one with him in the slot, which was just insane to me. I'm Somebody missed that right there. But, but regardless, like, so the fact that Ohio State coming into this doesn't have that C.J. Stroud or that Justin Fields-type quarterback back there, and then this is the offensive effort that you put in place to try and finally get over that hump, like, it's it's utterly humiliating like to be honest because it's just like this like that offense you know that's good to put up 60 points against UMass and Delaware but it's not going to get us over the hump that offense is good for 10 and 2 not 12 and 0 and like they got to figure that shit out real fast because they've got Michigan coming to town in three weeks like they thought that defense was tough Michigan's defense is going to give them hell I um, I mean, I, I think that, that that defensive line for Ohio State is awesome, but top to bottom, Michigan's defense is better. So I don't know exactly, you know, what their message is going to be to the team. I mean, I think this just has to be a moment of like self-reflection and criticism and almost like kind of just looking within and saying, okay, like what fundamentally needs to change here? Because like this you know, the, the direction that they have right now is not obviously, you know, not achieving the goals because they, they, you know, laid an egg when one of them was right in front of them. So, you know, I just, I, like I said, I don't know like where this team goes from here. I mean, obviously the season's not over, but thing, the road got a heck of a lot harder with this, but I mean, you know, I know it's kind of crazy to say this after a loss, but I think if one thing told us today, like top to bottom at full strength, Penn State might have the best defense in college football. Like they, the fact that they were on the field for 66 to 70% of that entire game after the offense kept going three and out, three and out, three and out. And we're still holding Ohio State to no points or field goals and stuff like that for most of the game. That's really impressive, man. So just, you know, Franklin always talks about, oh, we got to like play complimentary football and all this stuff. And like we saw the farthest thing from it today. So I'm going to stop. You know, I don't want to monopolize. So your turn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My turn to vent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Man, just, uh, yeah, it, just a lot of bad coaching areas, a lot of bad coaching de- decisions. Uh, we were down 13, six. I think there was maybe f- seven and a half minutes left. And we decided to go for it on a fourth and three when the offense hasn't done anything all day. I say pin them deep. The like the offense has done nothing to show that hey, we can do something. Pin them deep. You know, make Ohio State work the length of the field. Hopefully they punt, and then you can maybe put something together and maybe do a two point conversion at the end of the game to try to win against a superior opponent at home. Like it was just 
baffling to me to see some of the decisions that were made um, when the offense was rolling at times, you, you all of a sudden saw them stop what they were doing and then try to do some trick plays with Andre Lambert throwing the ball and, and like, none of it worked. Nothing, none of it worked. And it was just, you, you try to do those things to try to get out of a rut. Not when things are going well, like when you need some juice, that is when you run those plays not when things are going your way. When you have the defense on their heels, um, you know, you gotta give some credit to Ohio State here for, you know, not biting on the fakes, but run the ball to Nick Singleton to the left. They were they had a nice couple nice, you know, 10-15 yard chunk runs today. And yep. that was working. And then they they got away from it. It was just mind-boggling to me that we got a, away from the run game at times when I felt like we should have been running more. Um when we were at third and short, why are we not doing a quarterback sneak with Drew Aller? He's 6'5", 240 pounds. It's a slap to your offensive lineman in the face when you don't trust them to go for it on a fourth and one or a third and one, especially. Like, that's, that's the best playing football that you can do. Like, no amount of preparation can stop a quarterback sneak. Works for the Eagles 92% of the time. Penn State runs at a very high level baffling to me that they do not do that and you know things went Penn State's way today um like don't get me wrong like um had an opportunity for a strip sack a strip six Kalen King commits a, a holding penalty um I, th- I thought the the roughing the passer or not it wasn't even a passer because uh Devin Brown was running Mm-hmm. An un- unnecessary roughness. Hey, the refs bail Ohio State out, and then you know there's a pass interference. A couple plays after that, Ohio State gets the score. Like really, that one play. Like once that that penalty flag came out, and you know the commentators even talked about it. Like I knew that was game over at that point. Like I knew it was going to be very far fetched to for Penn State to come back because when you get something like uh you know pick six or strip sacks six, it's just. It's tough to bounce back, especially when you allow the offense to score a touchdown and, and commit, you know, penalties after that. They just put themselves at a bad position. And and we said in our, our pregame pod, this is gonna come down to a handful of plays. That was the, the biggest play of the game, uh, right there. Going forward on fourth and three when they probably should have punted. That was another one. Just just not great decisions across the board. And and now a handful of those plays did go Penn state's way. They, they stopped Ohio state on a, you know, fourth and two inside their own five, you know, great job for the defense. You had Riley Thompson, you know, not once against Iowa, but twice creates a turnover on special teams just by placing his punt in the, the right spot. Like at that point that, that gave me some hope that, Hey, maybe we can get something going because that that rules momentum. That's just a gut punch to your defense when they have to go right back out there after forcing a three and out. And again, offense lays an egg. Like I I know it's more difficult to to play on the road and and you have more challenges. But man, I just I'm glad I wasn't a Penn State fan dropping you know three hundred dollars to to see this game today. They they did not put it together. Yeah. And to go back to your earlier point about certain play calling, like as has been the case with so many Penn State, Ohio State games in the past, this game came down to a collection of small moments that ultimately created the overall product. 
And it started pretty quickly on, like, with drops from the tight end. I mean, uh, that would have been negated by a penalty, but whatever. And then you have moments like that third and one where they're running the ball. Like you said, they're running the ball to the left with Nick Singleton. He's picking up like good ground, which I loved using Singleton earlier on in that game because defense is fresh. They're going to be fast. You need speed to like counter that speed. So I loved Nick Singleton um, in those moments. Absolutely wish we would have gone to him more, but then we get to third and one after a really nice grab by Trey Wallace. And, you know, we need a couple of feet. We've been able to run the ball a little bit on these guys. What do they do? They try a quick slant that gets tipped and falls incomplete. Offense, you know, just falls on its face in that moment. Ohio State, two drives later, in a similar situation, they're at third and one. They've had very marginal success running the ball. What do they do? They run the ball. They get the first down. They have the momentum rolling their way because they didn't try to go outside of like what James Franklin, you know, was touting and saying, stay within yourself. Don't do anything that like you haven't been asked to do before. Ohio State did exactly that. They followed his message and just (laughs) ran the ball to get the first down, get a fresh set of downs. And instead we're trying these like quick slant passes when none of the receivers can get separation. We're trying these crappy trick plays, which none of them worked like what are like what are they doing? There's no consistency. There's no like they're they're really to me, uh, you know, I know this like we're working on a one game sample size here, but there's like no strength to this offense in moments like this. When we get like an above average defense that Penn State has to contend with, like there's no strength here. It just they were like throwing spaghetti at the wall at times. Like towards the end of the game, like Aller was just basically sailing passes to like try and put it, you know, anywhere within like the catch radius of the of the receiver like basically not trying to put the ball in harm's way but he knows that like some of these passes have to be perfect otherwise like you know there's not enough separation there to put it in like a normal window so i have to try this this crazy shit and then it just it just kind of all like fell apart until of course you know the final two minutes when the offense decided to do anything like and like I said, I mean, it, it almost just seems like the signs have been there now for several weeks. It's like everybody has been kind of griping on the lack of explosive plays and stuff like that. And the message has always been like, don't worry, like we got this, you know, we're fine, like with where our offense is at right now. Well, you know what? That offense just, you know, <laughs> that offense did nothing in Columbus. Like that's that's, you know, kind of the most frustrating thing to me is like, you know, every like we've had weird interactions with uh like with reporters and i'm not even saying that the key to this game or winning the game was chucking it deep like 40 50 60 yards but you got to be able to like complete some passes beyond the sticks man like just something you need to be able to do that like at least once or twice during a game and so like that just to me was um like the you know, just kind of the overall theme of the offense. But yeah, to go back to another point that you had about like the game, um, dude, I don't know about you, but if Penn State, Ohio State is played on Fox again, I don't know if I can listen to Gus Johnson (laughs) and Joel Klatt on the call again, because like right out of the gate, you know, (laughs) 
Penn State taking on the world famous Ohio State Buckeyes. We've got world famous. No one knows about him outside the Midwest. It's like, I mean, is he right? I mean, sure. Ohio State has fans everywhere, just like Penn State has fans everywhere. But like, it just, it was just painful at times to listen to the gushing over Ohio State. It was, it was like at times it was like, all right, we got to get our seven, our seven seconds of talking about anecdotal stuff about Penn State out of the way so that we can continue to gush about, you know, Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr. And he deserves all the praise in the world. That guy is a monster player. But like, Jesus, dude, like the bias was just way, way apparent. And so I just I I, I know it doesn't affect the game, but it was just annoying as hell to listen to at times. Like <laughs> something goes like Penn State's way and, you know, it's just like the milk toast like reaction, you know, no like Gus Johnsonisms or something like that. But, you know, like something goes Ohio State's way, like they they can they, you know, convert like a second and seven and all of a sudden it's, you know. Like the greatest thing in the world. Like, yeah, like that kind of stuff. Just, oh my God, it was, it was painful to listen to, but yeah, I mean, I like, where does, where does Penn State go from here, man? Because like this offense in its current state is probably good enough to beat pretty much every other team on the schedule, except for Michigan, in my opinion, like they're able to do some of those things well enough to beat those teams or at least rely on their defense to shut down those other teams. So they'll probably get the win in all those other games, except for Michigan. But like to make anything out of this season, close to what Penn state wanted to accomplish this season, they got to beat Michigan. You can make a drinking game out of how many times Gus Johnson said, Maserati. Um, I wish I was drunk right now. Like, <laughs> man, like just, again, it's something that Fox and ESPN always does. They always have this favoritism towards certain teams you see it with USC, you see it with Ohio State, you see it with Notre Dame. Like it's just they have this favoritism towards those those specific teams, and it it can be just annoying as hell. So that, that that's my first point. Um, you know, second point before we get to Michigan and where we go, some plays were there to be made today. Like Drew Aller had some throws where he was hitting wide receivers right in the hands, and you know, wide receivers at times were just not open or when they were open drew drew misses the throw and, and just sloppy with his feet. It, it's just utterly uh, frustrating at times today when things were going well, Penn state decided to get too cute and try to be too fancy. Um, we're not doing ballet out there We're we're playing football. So, you know, be the, the tougher, more physical team. And things will go your way. And that's something that Ohio State has, you know, struggled with this year at at times. And, you know, Notre Dame, I think, is the perfect example. Notre Dame isn't this offensive juggernaut, but they they were able to hang. They put up 14 points. We put up six, uh, you know, for being real here. We we put up six points today, and it's just embarrassing. And Penn State the the offense they they have a long way to, way to go if if this team wants to go anywhere uh pretty much what happened today is that Penn State lost the ability to control their destiny now they they have to hope and pray that mi- we can beat Michigan at home and then that Michigan upsets uh beats Ohio State the last week of the season on Thanksgiving that is the only way 
Penn State has a chance to make it to the college football playoff, let alone the, the, the Big Ten championship game. And even if they play like this today, like I don't even know what Maryland's going to look like if we can't move the ball or, or do anything. Uh, you know, the defense is probably going to you know travel well like they did today, and they'll probably do enough to win. But ideally, heading into Michigan, you would like to have a chance to rest some guys. And I, I don't think that's going to be the case with Maryland. I think Maryland's going to be a, a four-quarter game, and it's going to be a fight. You're going to see Maryland is always up to play Penn State. Now, typically, they play better at Beaver Stadium than they do at home. But, you know, typically, Penn State rises to the occasion to play Ohio State. And then when you have Ohio State with a down year, all of a sudden, here we are, you know, dropping down to their level. And there were times that day on, on defense where I was asking myself, even though the defense did have a very good performance overall, why is Marvin Harrison Jr. open and unguarded? Like he was just in space, and that's the last place where you want him. The the golden rule in football is don't let their best player beat you. Take away their best their best weapon. Uh, that's what Bill Belichick does. That's why the Patriots have a lot of success on defense. And there were times today where we couldn't do it just because we got out coached and we were. The, the scheme wasn't good enough and you know, they made some good plays and offensively we didn't. And, and it's a real shame because like you said earlier, the talent gap is not the reason we lost this game. It was just poor execution. Um, you know, probably like 90% on the offense, but, uh, you know, overall, uh, coaches on Ohio state once again, uh, beat Penn state and Ryan day still has yet to, lose to the Nittany, the Nittany Lions. Yeah. And I mean, like, I'll be honest with you. I feel very similarly to how I did um, in this past NBA playoffs when the Sixers lost to the Celtics. Like, we've seen the script so many times before. We had reasons to believe that this time would be different. And then it just wasn't. And so you become jaded. You kind of just come to expect like what's been happening so many times before. And in a way, you almost just come to like the like some form of acceptance. And this this is still fresh. I mean, we are what less than an hour like outside of the the ending of this game. But that that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, it's like like all these all these stats of James Franklin being like one in nine against Penn or against Ohio State. So I guess like what is it now going to be like one in ten? I don't know like what the whole uh, or you know whatever the case may be. But um, it's about guess, as good of a stat as our ability to convert a third down today. Exactly. So you know it's just like like these these trends they just exist. And I mean I like on offense. You know, like not to get too like hyperbolic or whatever, you know, the case may be, but it's like at times I felt like we just took a time machine back to 2015, like just nothing doing on offense, just continually like spinning its wheels. Like it seems like the days of running and gunning with McSorley and like some of the early days of Clifford, 
they feel like a distant memory, man. Like, and so I, I don't know how we went from like having guys, you know, like Deshaun, like Saeed, like Chris Godwin, just making play after play and finding ways to get open against some really, really good talent in the Big Ten to now we're supposed to have this like really deep and talented and speedy wide receiver room. But, and yet nothing is doing. The only one who looks to be like a, a consistent threat is Keandre and he can't do it alone. So it's just, and then of course we're going to like pair that up with runs of like two yards because by the end of the game, Ohio state knew that they weren't really a threat to throw the ball down the field. So they were just crashing on the edge to stop the run. And that was, that was pretty much it. And then like when they didn't give a crap anymore, that's when Penn state was able to score. So, you know, I just like, it's just baffling to me that like, you know, the, you know, that the year where, like I said, Ohio state wasn't able to just rely on like elite quarterback play to beat Penn state in just a, a scoring contest. Like this is, this is the year now where like Penn state just isn't able to score at all. But um, so I'll go back to my, to my other question though. So it's like, we saw what we saw against like, you know, top tier talent in the big 10 defensively. What do they need to do with this offense now to kind of regroup and make sure that they at least put up a marginally better effort against Michigan in three weeks? Uh, that's a tough question. And I don't know if there's an answer at this point. It's, it's only a few weeks away. I think that when you're in a third and short, maybe around the quarterback sneak, it's the, the most effective play in football. I, I think that's one answer. There's times where maybe we use the wing T. Uh, that's worked a lot in the past. The Rose Bowl was a great example of that. We, we didn't do that. Maybe go back into the playbook from last year. Last year, Sean Clifford had over 400 passing yards of offense against the Buckeyes. Like, how could we not even put up 200 today? Just, it, it, it blows my mind that we are unable to, to do these things. And I do think that you know, part of it is, is the wide receiver room. That's one of the questions we had in the offseason saying, you know, we know Keandre can you know, play at a pretty high, high level, but can other guys step up and you know, be a number two, number three wide receiver? And we haven't seen it yet. Uh, Dante Cephas was a guy we've talked about, you know, being really excited about in the off season, uh, as it out of the transfer portal and haven't seen more than a, a couple catches a game. And he's looked okay at times, but, uh, today was a day where, where you were thinking, Hey, it'd be really nice if our, you know, a uh, fancy transfer wide receiver would have make some big plays and there just wasn't much there to be made today. So at the end of the day, I think it just, Everybody has to be better and it's cliche, but it, it, it is what it is. Drew's got to hit wide receivers when they're open. Wide receivers need to get open on a more consistent basis. The offensive line has to be better. Uh, like, because if you have a good offensive line, you can just run the ball and you'll, you'll be all right. If you have a tough physical offensive line, if you give the quarterback more time to throw, eventually something's going to get open. Someone's going to get open, but, that was not the case today. And, and will that change? 
I, I don't know. Now, in the shoe, that's going to be a lot louder and a little more chaotic of an environment than Beaver Stadium. Uh, when Michigan comes to town, it's going to be a noon kickoff. I expect it to be very quiet when the offense is playing. But at the end of the day, there's 11 players on the football field. Noise is noise. So you, you still got to go out there and execute. It didn't even seem, though, like the noise was affecting them that much because it's not like they had like multiple false starts and it didn't seem like, you know, Drew was on a drastically different page than the wide receiver like at times in the game against Northwestern where he threw the ball one way and the receiver was breaking a different way. Like they they just like the whole chain of offense just like wasn't moving together in unison. Um, Like that's at least like how how it appeared to me. Like it just like you know, nothing, nothing was ever working at the same time. Cause it was like the times that like drew had to throw the receivers weren't getting open. And the times when the receivers were getting open, the pocket was rapidly collapsing. And then you like, you pair on top of that with late in the game, you have JT Tui Maloau coming off the edge unblocked, having to rely on Theo Johnson coming across the line to like chip him, which I mean, that's just, a matchup in heaven if you're Ohio State like that's not a recipe for success so you know I it just like like I said though I mean there's so many reasons why this is so frustrating but one of the biggest ones is because they had so much time to prepare for this like they knew they had to know like what they were going to do offensively because they had three weeks man they had UMass to like prepare for sure, but they could have slept walked through that game and have been just fine. And so the fact that like they, maybe they had a plan, maybe they didn't, but the lack of execution and it was just like, just so baffling to me because like, cause when you look at it on the other side of the field, like, you know, guys gave a crap. They were fiery. They were getting after it. They wanted to do everything in their power to like try and win that game. And they, they nearly did, you know, especially after their, their leader went down. Like you saw Deny Dennis Sutton step up. You saw linebackers flying all over the place. You saw Dominic DeLuca making some nice plays. You saw the corners balling out. I think this was the best game by the corners thus far this season, even with Marvin Harrison Jr.'s stat line. Like there was better tackling. They clamp down on a couple of those one-on-one matchups, um, especially, er, you know, kind of in the middle part of the, of the game in the second and the third quarter, like they were winning a lot of those matchups. So I was, I was happy with them, but you know, to see that happen. And then on the other side of the football, like the defense was basically like, here, here's a golden opportunity. We got the ball for you at like the 35, just go get 10 yards. Just do that. Put together a drive. like." You don't even have to score any points. Just give us a few minutes to breathe. And they couldn't even do that. Like, make it make sense. Yeah, I don't get it. And at a certain point, like, if you're an offensive player, how do you walk into that locker room with the the performance you just put out on the field and, like, look at your teammates on the other side of the ball? It's just... The, the friction in that locker room right now just... Like I, I would not want to be in that locker room right now if I was an offensive player. Like just the the tension that must be there, the amount of work you put in the off season, 
is to compete for a college football playoff spot, to compete for a Big Ten championship. And, you know, we see it slipping the grass and it's it's just getting away from us. And things in the, in the game could have broke our way. Some did, some didn't. And it's just it just leaves that that terrible feeling knots in your stomach. And at, at some point, everybody has to say enough is enough. And you got to lock in and execute. Uh, I know in my college experience, we just would finish second or third instead of winning our conference championship and uh, you know regional championship. And, and we got to the point where we said, hey, enough is enough. We, we put in work in the off season. We trained hard. We executed when it mattered the most. And we, we figured it out and we put our performances out there and dominated. Um, there, there's no other way around it. And we wanted it more. Everybody needs to want it more, not just one half of the football. And you could tell the Ohio State defense wanted it a hell of a lot more than our offense today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, well said. And I think too, you know, I mean, we we've said it multiple times now in this episode, but it's like the play calling offensively for Penn state, like played right into their hands. I mean, there were times where Penn or Ohio state just flat out knew like, you're not going to throw this ball. Like we just know you're not going to, you've shown us no indication that you're going to throw this ball. So let's just take out our safety help because we know we're not going to need it. We have no safeties in coverage. Because we're just going to go and get the ball because you're clearly going to run it. And lo and behold, that's exactly what played out. Exactly. Uh, and you even saw the conservative play calling on the offensive end for Ohio State. Um, you know, Kyle McCord and Ohio State, they didn't they did not play their A game on offense today. They didn't know. Yeah. There were wide open throws that they were missing and I was jumping up and down because they missed it. But. Again, it was one of those things where, hey, the defense got lucky a few times. Ohio State by no means played their A game today, which is another reason why I felt like, hey, we have a good shot to to win this game. And Ohio State was able to call a very conservative game, take care of the football, not have any turnovers with the exception of, uh, you know, Riley Thompson just, again, nailing a punt. They took care of the football and said, hey, we don't got to worry about it. This is like playing Iowa. All we have to do is not turn the football over. And again, for Ohio State, that's what it was. It's just like playing Iowa. And, and that's who we were today. We were not Penn State. We were Iowa. Yeah, I know. And that's exactly what I said, like out loud during the game. I'm like, we're just like a better, slightly more nuanced version of Iowa's offense. And it's not even like to an extreme degree. Like, we're going to try to run the ball and like, you know, maybe we'll attempt a pass here or two, but right now we're not a threat to throw the ball down the field. We're not a threat to like do all this stuff. We're going to try to run the ball in between the tackles, like until the wheels fall off. And then, well, not even that because, you know, they go away from it so many, so many times, but it's just like every time that they tried to get away from that, um, things didn't work at least like from a passing perspective, because when they were running to the left, they found the success, but I I don't know. There's just so many question marks and like so many, like so many areas of frustration here. Um, I don't really have anything else from this game. I mean, we, uh, 
I think this has just been, you know, kind of a pod of uh, like venting, reflection, healing, if you will. <laughs> um, I think I think that's what we all need here is just like a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of relief from from the frustration. But um, you got anything else or do you want to do you do you have a player of the game or do you even want to hand out players of the game? Like, what are you, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it's it's tough to play offense when nobody's open. That is what it is, and they have to get better, whether it's through performance, uh, play calling, wh- whatever area you think most needs it. They all need it, I think. Um, and it's a, it's a wake-up call, and the season can get away from them in a hurry. Indiana, that should be a cakewalk at home. Uh, not too worried about Indiana. Maryland, very quality opponent. They, they got to be ready for Maryland. They got to continue to take care of business in college park like they have in the past. So that's something that they'll need to do. And then they got to be ready for a big noon kickoff. They can't be lackadaisical coming out like they were today. Um, and really, if you, you think about it in terms of our defense, uh, if the offense gets off to a better start today and Ohio state is not playing from behind, you're for forcing Kyle McCord to be a little bit more aggressive and, maybe perhaps more of those turnovers happen. Uh, and again, we said it, fault, like getting off to a hot start was one of our big points in our pregame pod. And it was just the utter opposite of that. So what the secret is, I don't know. I don't got the answer for that. There's, it's definitely more than than one problem. It, it goes to the offensive line, wide receiver room, quarterback, coaching, play calling, it's it's all those things and right now it's it's a mess and they got three weeks like you said to to really figure it out or else hey this is just going to be another team if they get into a new year six bowl they'll be lucky and yeah we'll we'll leave it at that uh in terms of uh players of the game I, I have a finale fighter it's somebody who's getting it twice again for for me okay. it's Riley, Riley Thompson Mm-hmm. Uh, making a play, he gets, I don't know what, 10 punts today, and he creates a turnover on one. He gets 10 chances to touch the ball. But to, to, to be able to force a turnover like that when you need it the most, that gave Penn State life. He, he was one of the guys that gave Penn State life today. The, the defense making some plays, especially on that fourth and short inside the five, that was a big play. But outside of that, just not many game-changing place today yep yeah i mean it's uh it's tough to find bright spots um yeah for me uh i'm going with kind of more of like a like a qualitative uh assessment as opposed to a quantitative one i'm going with deny dennis sutton for my bird brawler and the reason why is because you know after chop went down which um not sure how much we'll learn about his injury here in the in the very short goings um you know obviously just hoping that our guy is okay because that was some scary moments but after that happened it was a real like gut check moment for Penn State defensively because you lost like who is possibly your best defensive player and there was still a lot of football left to be played and Penn State defense didn't just crumple in on itself like that sequence was brutal, like where they gave up the touchdown. But, you know, we all know kind of like what our collective thoughts are on that. But Deny Dennis Sutton, 
you know, I think stepped up in a big way in that moment. Um, still was applying some pretty consistent pressure to Kyle McCord. Uh, still recorded like, uh, you know, a handful of tackles as well. So he was uh, pretty involved in like uh, the rush defense as well. Um, you know, really kind of just flashed what a lot of people already knew about him and that he's, you know, he's rangy, he's speedy, he's very skillful um, and stuff like that. But, you know, his, his numbers don't explode off the stat sheet, but because of the way that he like stepped up in a big moment and filled some very big shoes, um, that's why he's getting the award from me this week. Yeah. And I, I think after a bit of a gloomy pod, a g- gloomy day, it's kind of cloudy and cold and windy outside. Uh, I think we should have a, a positive positivity corner. Uh, so Vince's positivity corner here. Um, defense played pretty well as a whole. If you were to tell me the defense would give up 20 points over the course of the game, I would feel pretty good uh, if you told me that before the game. And so that's one positive I have. Defense overall, pretty good. Uh, second positive, zero turnovers today. Penn State took care of the football. Uh, another positive, I, I don't know if this stat actually held up. I, I do think we did have less penalties than Ohio state. Let me fact check that here. Um, so we they had did. five, they did, we had five penalties. They had six. So there were a lot of areas where we did win. And it, I, I know it feels like the end of the world here, but at, at least there are some things that the, the team is doing right. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, like you said, the fact that the defense was playing as well as they did, even after being on the field for more than 50% of the time during this game, Penn State lost the time of possession battle, but that defense still turned away the Ohio State offense time and time again. So that, you know, I think is commendable even of itself, you know, especially like one thing that I think really kind of shown through today, you know, as we're trying to like find like, you know, silver linings and rays of light here is that defensive rotation that Penn State has been rolling out all season long so far that really showed itself today because guys were making plays, you know, regardless of their relative position um, on the depth chart, you know, because you saw you saw Tyler Elsden making plays, um, especially with that huge fumble recovery um, off the off the punt. You saw Dominic DeLuca making some big plays. You saw Zaki Wheatley making big plays. Like there are guys who maybe are not the you know the quote unquote like starter at their position, but they were comfortable out there in a big moment making big plays. And um, you know I think that's that's something that Penn State can really like hang their hat on, and as fans like we can kind of rely on for the rest of the season. Like, you know, we, we kind of know now that like, even if the offense is a mess, we don't really know like what we're going to get, especially on the road. At least the defense is going to like show up and play their asses off week in and week out. Yeah, that is one silver lining lining. We have a uh, college football playoff caliber defense. The, the offense just has to get better. And uh, if they can do that, they're going to be in good shape. Uh, if the offense can get together, they they're capable of beating Michigan at home, but long way to go in three weeks. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's uh, I, uh, yeah, they got they got to figure this stuff out rather quickly because, um, like I said, I think top to bottom, like Michigan as a team is going to really, really be a tough a tough out for Penn State, like even defensively, because 
you know, Michigan is not like a team that is going to like try to throw the ball in one-on-one situations like as many times as Ohio State did. Like Ohio State, I think, did a pretty decent job of like balancing their offense, but they throw the ball in those like one-on-one situations more so than a lot of other teams because they have those wide receivers that they can rely on. Michigan is like our team on NOS when everybody else is like, when everybody's actually executing at a high level. Like they're going to be physical up front. They're going to feature the run game. They're going to get four or five yards per carry on pretty much every team that exists out there in college football. So, you know, Penn State, even defensively, like they're, they're going to be in for like a big challenge because they're not going to be, you know, uh, having the ball thrown up as many times, like in those one-on-one situations, like Michigan still has some dudes at wide receiver, but it's such a different animal. Um, and then on like on offense, I mean, you just got to be able to do anything. And I mean, the fact that Penn State is going to be at home, that is like a sign of like, or should be like a sign of optimism or a thing that people can be optimistic about uh, for Penn State fans because the like the level of execution just and performance across the board just dramatically improves when they're at home. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, huge, huge challenge. Um, like we said before, I mean, their their ability to control their destiny is, you know, severely limited at this point. Um, their last shred of control goes if they lose to Michigan. So at least the, the focus is clear now. Like you have to win that game. You have to win out and you need to uh, hope for some help along the way. Yeah, that's very true. And I, I do think Michigan is a better team than Ohio State. I don't think we played our best game today. And it might be a weird situation, kind of like 2016, where you're actually rooting for Ohio State, um, which kind of hurts your soul as a Penn State fan. But hey, this is the the position that we put ourselves in. We do make a good point. Penn State's offense has been a lot better at home. Um, defense, past two games, has pitched a shutout. So you know, maybe that'll be a sign of things to come. Uh, maybe our defense is just able to really lock down in Michigan and they're just not able to, you know, move the ball up the field. And maybe we're just able to win a grind it out type of game in Beaver Stadium. That could be the case, but, uh, the offense certainly is not making me feel very optimistic. That's for I sure. know. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the, I mean, I think that's really what it all boils down to. It's like, you want to be optimistic. And I would say like, generally speaking, we try to be optimistic and, you know, kind of look at like, reasons to feel good about certain matchups for Penn state on this podcast. But like right now, I mean, I feel like we're just, I mean, just coming fresh off of that game. It's like really just kind of puts everything into perspective and kind of gives you that like, Oh shit feeling Mm -hmm. about this, about this game. And it really doesn't. And normally I'm the guy who has that feeling like all the time. And, and even this year I've kind of, uh, you know, turned a new leaf or turned a new page and have been more optimistic, but yeah, I definitely feel like, I'm going to be reverting to my old ways if if this kind of play continues. Yeah. You know, and uh, like, <laughs> I don't know if this is like the right energy to have um, right after that game, but like, shout out to Sean Clifford, man, because he, I, I don't know, man, after just such a brutal day on offense, the fact that like Sean Clifford, like being the warrior that he did or that he was like went out and like played as hard as he did and like was able to do the things that he did against Ohio state. Like, even though he didn't come out on top in any of those games, like they still scored like 20 something points on the road at Ohio state a couple of years ago. 
and you know, so I, I, you know, shout out, shout out to him, man, because I, I think that, um, you know, his, his energy could like, could be sorely needed right now. Kind of that warrior's mentality. Yeah, I think so. Um, and who knows? Uh, hopefully, you know, we get one more shot at this and that shot is going to be Michigan. And, you know, obviously we need to take care of business with Indiana, Maryland, and, you know, Michigan state to conclude the season. But yeah, you know, we got one more shot. Um, even if, even if we, you know, let's say we beat Michigan and Ohio state beats Michigan and Hey, we don't make the college football playoff. Still a really good chance that, we can make the college football playoff because, you know, Washington, they don't have a, a cakewalk to win the big or the Pac 12. All the other Pac 12 teams have a loss. Uh, you know, North Carolina, Florida, maybe they lose. Florida State, um, you, Georgia could even lose. Uh, I know Brock Bowers had a high ankle sprain, and that's typically a four to six to week, week injury uh, in terms of timetable for recovery. So, there's still a lot of things that could happen in the college football playoff and in teams that get selected. Now, if, now if they have the 2024 format where you, you know, 12 teams can go, you feel a lot better, but um, you know, this is still the world we're in for one more year. So, uh, you know, hopefully things go our way, but until then we can only control the controllables and that includes taking care of our business. And we, we really need to win these last five games. Yeah, and I think that might be kind of the, you know, one one of the more like just frustrating parts about this program over the past like handful of years, especially when you look at like 2017 in 2018 at times during that season in 2019 and you look at last year and then this year like you know it just kind of frustrates me and it makes me a little sad that like the the reason why Penn State is going to be in the college football playoff uh most likely maybe even like starting next year is only because they expand it like we were never able to get over that hump to be like one of the four teams now granted that could change this year um like crazy things happen in college football but you know this i think today was like a pretty good you know, indication of just like that there's, there's still a gap here. And, you know, I, I, uh, so that, that just kind of like depresses me a little bit. That's like, I mean, yeah, it'll be awesome. Like, you know, if, and when we're in the, in the playoff in the future, but it's going to be a li- like, it's just going to have a, like a little bit of a weird taste knowing that like part of the reason is because 12 teams are in, you know, I don't know if that's like necessarily the right attitude to have with that, but that's just, you know, where my mind is going. Oh, I, I think it's it is certainly OK to feel that way. But there is, you know, if, if we're one of the top four teams, you can still say, hey, we would have made it anyway. But I guess. Yeah. So you can kind of have that sir, silver lining to it. But. You know, it's it's. uh, You know, it, it's still just kind of annoying when things aren't going your way. And, you know, that 12 team playoff is on the horizon and, you know, you should be there. But. That's that's just how the sport is right now. And, you know, sports hurts. That's part of being a sports fan. It has it ups, has its ups and downs. And certainly for Penn State fans, it's uh, we haven't really 
you know, ridden the high since the 2016 Big Ten Championship and, you know, the Fiesta Bowl, the Rose Bowl, you can kind of count those as, you know, somewhat positive silver linings. But, uh, yeah, it's just the highs and lows that come with sport. Yep. Amen. So I don't think I have really much anything else on this. Um, you know, uh, we'll just have to see how the rest of this uh, season plays out, but we'll be back at it again um, later this week to talk about a fresh matchup. And hopefully we'll have a little bit of time to kind of sit back and, uh, you know, kind of get our minds right as fans and um, like come back to the team with like a like a fresh outlook. Yeah. Oh, a couple positives though. Uh, hockey's still undefeated. Hockey's four and zero on the season. They're playing uh, American International tonight, actually, for their uh, second matchup in the series. So, you know, hopefully they'll move to five and zero. Uh, and women's volleyball had a nice, uh, you know, sweep of Iowa last night at home. So, you know, not all gloom and doom if you're a, a Penn State sports fan. Uh, so, thank you guys for listening today. If you'd like to support the pod. Please tell your friends, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show, please leave a five-star review so other Nittany Lion fans like you can find us. Interested in new episodes? You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified. Thank you for listening, and we want to remind you that we are the Nittany Blues Podcast. We'll see you in the next one.